Hi, this is Jeff Dixon, and I'm the pastor of Word of Life Miami here in Miami, Oklahoma, and this is our podcast. I'm so glad you've chosen today to tune in as we begin 2019. We're going to look at our word for the year, which is manifestation. I hope this podcast and this message specifically speaks to you. I hope you're encouraged, and I hope you do something great for the things of God. Enjoy. So we're going to just pick right up. I've already covered that we trust him because we know his names, right? So we're going to just pick right up on the next one, Jehovah Nisi. Why do you have to have some weird names, right? Jehovah, you know, I'm just going to scoot over here. No, I'm going to stay up here because of the camera. Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah is my banner. Let's talk about this for a little bit. Jehovah is my banner. Jumping right on in. If, Exodus, almost went Ephesians. Exodus Chapter 17, Old Testament, good stuff. Exodus chapter 17, we've got a scenario here with Moses again. It seems like God likes to reveal who he is to Moses. Have you noticed that? I'm okay with that. Moses was a good man to do all this to. And it says, all the congregation in verse 1 of Exodus 17, all the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin. Isn't that an interesting phrase? The wilderness of sin. And I I had to dive into that just a little bit, and really it was just the 40 years of wandering. That was where an entire generation had to die off. But anyway, the wilderness of sin by stages according to the commandment of the Lord and camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Listen, I'm like dying of thirst up here, and I can't imagine like getting to the point to where I'd be yelling at people, give me some water, right? But they're yelling at Moses, give us some water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people grumbled against Moses and said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff which you struck the Nile and go. The staff's pretty significant. He's like, flaunt what I've been able to do with what's within within your hand. Flaunt it. Show it off. Let the people see what I've been capable of doing. And take your hand. Take in your hand the staff which, I, which you struck the Nile and go. And behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you will strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Mesa and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? I think these people were pretty gutsy people to test God, to get in front of him and say, who are you? Where have you been? Are you even real? Have they not seen the miracles, the mighty things that God has done? Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. This staff is significant. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur, H-U-R, went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, listen to this, Israel prevailed. 
And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary. So they, listen, they, yesterday, yesterday, just yesterday, I was uh, at the range shooting. And by the way, I qualified. It's a good thing, right? Um, that just means I'm proficient enough a shooter to carry a different gun now. Uh, it's pretty groovy. But anyway, um, so I was loading my bullets, right? And I have a 17 mag capacity or round capacity magazine for my Glock. And just loading one, my shoulders started to burn. And can you imagine a battle among a couple of nations where as long as Moses' arms were up, they were winning. And as soon as his arms started to fall, they were not. Can you imagine? I mean, have you ever changed a light bulb and it wasn't screwing in just well enough? And you're like, oh my gosh, my arms are burning. Someone else do this for a little bit, right? Or painted a ceiling. That is, my hell will be ceilings to paint. It's going to be like fire and ceilings to paint. And so I thank you, Jesus. I don't have to go to hell, right? And, and lima beans. So, um, but anyway, and raisins and black olives. And so anyway, but there's going to be ceilings to paint light bulbs <laughs> always having to change that won't thread appropriately. But anyway, so we've got Moses here in his hands, you know, up, they're winning, hands fall, they lose. I mean, like, noticeable, right? So, <clears throat> verse 12, Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And while Aaron and her, H-U-R, I don't know why I have to say that, but I feel like we should know it wasn't her, like, she, her, the dude's name is her. There's a, there's a child's name. Hey, dude, your name is her. Um, but anyway, held up his hands on one side, on the other and side. Anyway, they were on each side of him holding his hands. And so his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. This wasn't just like 20-minute battle. This was going on. And the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in the book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out. Remember reading something like this in the psalm? earlier i will blot out the memory of amalek under the heavens and moses will build an altar and call it the call the name of it the lord is my banner or jehovah nisi saying a hand upon the throne of the lord the lord will have war with amalek from generation to generation so let's break this down and remember i have to go really really fast to get through this today i don't want to just get through it but i want to I, want, I don't want you to be here through lunch. So this is the first attack, or the first attack here of Amalek was in verse 8. Who were these people, these Amalekites? They were, uh, they were grandsons of Esau. You remember Jacob and Esau in the Old Testament? They were grandsons of Esau. His descendants would prove to, Israel, to be Israel's adversaries or enemies. Uh, this is for many years to come. And God commanded Saul uh, also to utterly destroy them, but he failed to do so. It wouldn't be until centuries later that King Hezekiah would finally destroy them. They uh, would attack at the rear guard. They would call this a sneak attack. And this is our first introduction to Joshua also in this story. He would be in charge of their counterattacks. Moses, Aaron, and Hur would be on the mountain and they would overlook the battle. We see this in verses 9 through 12. And as long as Moses held the rod high, the battle went well for the Israelites. And as soon as he let his hands down, the battle would go against them. So we've got Aaron and Hur. They're there to support Moses. And uh, this is a great lesson, of course, of working together, not doing things alone. God brings a victory and a new name. The source of victory. It wasn't just Joshua's expertise. It wasn't, Mo it wasn't Moses' expertise either. Victory comes from God. 
Moses' rod was a symbol of God's power and presence. This event was to be a memorial for Israel. It's just kind of the stage set here. In Exodus 17.4, we read just a minute ago, the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the years of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek under the heavens. Now, we can go to the book of Deuteronomy, and it says, when you go out to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army larger than your own, you shall not be afraid of them, for the Lord your God is with you, who brought you up out of the land. We've got to realize that when we go to battle, God is with us. And looking at the rod, this is God's banner. We think of a, a banner like a flag or like we've got the banner out front and we bring it in. The banner here isn't necessarily something that waves overhead or like a flag. Now, it does do that, but it can be something else. It's really like this staff. It was an emblem that was lifted up for all to see. Like when we originally read in, in Exodus 17, God told Moses to walk in front of those grumbling sons of guns, right, with your, with your staff. Remind them of what this is. This is a symbol of who I am. This is the God is our banner. He's the one that fights for us. He's the one that unites us. He's the one that does the work. Sometimes it was a staff that the emblem was lifted up for all to see. With it, he defeated magicians of Egypt and led the people forth. This is a a symbol I remember that... Uh, Pharaoh would call his magicians together and they would turn uh, sticks to snakes just as the staff was turned to a snake, but the staff would go in and eat up the snakes. It was kind of like, hey, my staff is better than your staff. Um, so we've got this. He, uh, he stretched this out, this staff to the Red Sea and parted it for their escape, for the enemy's destructions. Here, it is lifted up and it brings victory over Amalek. Verse 17 is where the new name is given, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, is our banner. Ooh, that's water. Nisi, this word, it's the same that is used when Moses would make the serpent of brass and lift it up for the salvation of the people. It's a type and picture. Get this. It is a type and picture of the cross of Jesus Christ because this stick, this rod, represents salvation. Nisi, it's also translated as a standard, a banner, an inside an ensign, or like a sail. These banners and standards were used to unite the people, similar to how a flag today unites us all together. The significance here is that God is our banner. He is the one who unites us. He is the one who brings us into victory. And we need Jehovah Nissi because we are in a battle today. Spiritual warfare is a reality. This is a battle that takes place within We also battle together. Our enemy attacks us when we are at our weakest point. The forces are unseen, but very real. How do I know this? Ephesians 6, chapter 12 says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. That was Ephesians 6, 12. Every believer, listen, every believer, one of us that calls on the name of Jesus, that believes in the saving power of God through Jesus Christ. Every one of us needs to rally under his banner, and we need each other. 
This is why the local church is so important. We rally together. We encourage each other. We strengthen each other. I am a church guy. I believe in the church. I believe in the people gathering together. Whether you want to call it a church, a community, a gathering, I don't care. But what's significant is when Peter had the revelation of who Jesus Christ was, Jesus looked at him and said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. That ecclesia, that's the word. It's this gathering of people together to lift high the name of Jesus, to help each other live for Jesus, to make a difference in their communities. And we are making a difference together. Without each other, none of us, I don't think, would be where we are in the things of God. We are encouraging each other. We are strengthening each other. We are moving each other to do greater things for God. Amen. Would you agree that we have helped each other out to do greater things for God right here, right now? This church under the banner of Jesus Christ, who is Jehovah Nisi, has made a difference in everyone. Amen. Watch this for a moment. super excited about that and we had been praying for just breakthrough this week and just wanting God to show up big in our lives and and he did with our daughter being saved and then I was at Walmart on Monday night and I was coming out and there was a young mom by herself and she was circle on the phone she couldn't get a hold of her dad she had a baby by herself and I asked if she needed a jump because I had jumper cables at my house just down the street and she said, no, I'm waiting for my dad to answer his phone so he can come fix my battery. And I said, okay, well, I'll stay with you. And she was just freaking out. So I said, well, let's just pray. And then I had a moment of panic, like, oh, no, I'm going to have to pray for her. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what to do. So I just started praying for her, and I prayed that God would give her peace and comfort. And I prayed that her dad would answer the phone or that someone could come and help us start her car. And a couple minutes later, this guy drives up and says, hey, I'm a mechanic. Do you guys need some help? And we're like, yeah, that would be great. And he fixed her battery, started her car started, and she left. And it was just so cool to see how uh, God showed up so big, especially when I was praying for such a big breakthrough. And it was, it was just what we needed for that week, just to focus on just God and how amazing he was. And it's... It's really what we needed that week. I've been talking about being this church that's just stepping out and stepping out in faith and praying for people. And if you come across someone, just pray for them. And I probably never would have done that if I wasn't at Word of Life and had been encouraged to just step out in faith and just do what God calls you to do. How cool is that? 
See, that's part of Jehovah Nisi, our banner. Yes, we fight battles together, but we also overcome and do great things together. Amen. What a cool testimony. That was kind of fun doing that, though. That's my first video. So anyway, go back to our story. Moses, Aaron, and her, H-U-R. There we go again. We're up on this mountain, and they were lifting up the battle to God. Joshua and the army was in the heat of the battle. We need to pray and support one another and lift one another up in prayer for victory every day. I hope that we do pray for each other on a consistent and regular basis because we, we are doing this together. Ultimately, we recognize, though, that the battle is the Lord's. Listen, these three, these three or four, if you want to throw Joshua in the mix, they did all they could do but it was the Lord that gave them the victory. Only when the rod was held high could the battle be won. Our battle can only be won when we hold high the banner. When we lift high the name of Jesus, you realize that the biggest victory we had today, the biggest battle was won today through worship. The biggest battle was won today as we were lifting high the banner of Jesus Christ. And Second Chronicles twenty fifteen says, and he said, Listen all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. I think we need to be reminded over and over and over again because that's just how we are as people. The battle is not yours. The battle is not yours. Maybe you need to remind yourself and say, the battle is not mine. Why don't we just say that together? Say, the battle is not mine. The battle is not mine. Say it again. The battle is not mine. Say, the battle is God's. The battle is God's. Zechariah 4, 6 says, Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And then the psalmist in Psalm 18 says, verse 6, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Romans eight thirty one. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? The rod or the banner was the symbol of Jesus Christ himself on the cross. Jesus is our Jehovah Nisi. He unites us and he brings us victory. And so we are depending upon our Jehovah Nisi for victory. I ask you, let's turn that around. Are you depending upon him for victory? The attacks will come, but he will never leave us. He will never, ever leave us. Amen? That could be a whole sermon right there, couldn't it? But I've got two more Two more. Jehovah Rohi. He's my shepherd. My shepherd. It's in the name Jehovah Rohi. The Lord is our shepherd that we find the most tender, most intimate relationship between God and his people. The 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Jehovah is the shepherd of his people. The primary meaning of Rohi is to feed to lead to pasture as a shepherd does his flock. There are many references to the Lord being our shepherd. 
Jehovah-Rohi of the Old Testament we see in Psalm 80, the shepherd of Israel leads. It says in 80 verse 1 of Psalms, to the choir master, according to the lilies, a testimony of Asaph, a psalm, give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. He leads. He also feeds. He feeds. Isaiah 40, 1, or 10 through 11 says, Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently leads those that are with him. The shepherd seeks. I love this. For thus said the Lord, Ezekiel 34, 11 through 12. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep. I will seek them out as a shepherd seeks out the flock when he is among his sheep that they have been scattered. So I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. How incredible is it to know that he sought you? He sought you out. He desired you so much that he sought you out. Part of his rescue plan was sending his son Jesus not to just die, but to rescue you from where you were. He seeks us and he saves us. And if he seeks, then we've got to recognize that we are his sheep. Psalm 100 verse 3 says, Know that the Lord, he is God It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. First Peter 2.25 says you were strained like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. So let's quickly look at him as shepherd from the 23rd Psalm. We're going to look at this in the in the context of not wanting. Now, I want I want like, generally in my past, I've wanted a new car. I want a motorcycle, right? But if I had a motorcycle, would I want one? No, I'm not saying, a, well, I always want a nicer one, right? No, I mean, if I had what I wanted, what I wanted anymore. Okay, so in context of what I'm going to talk about when I say I don't want, it's not because I've, I, I just don't desire that. It's in, in opposite of that, it's that it's been fulfilled, Okay. So look at this in context of of this 23rd Psalm. And again, I know I'm flying through all of this, but I I want us to get this grasp and trust of Jesus as, as this God, this Jehovah, our shepherd. And it opens with, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Since he is my Jehovah Rohi, I shall not want or I shall not lack. Maybe that's another way to put it. I don't have lack And if he's my shepherd and I don't lack, then the first part of this is I won't want or lack rest. Now, I know we're tired, but we don't need to lack rest. I shall not lack refreshment. You ever find yourself after being in the presence of God, how it's just everything is just fine. It's good. It's together. Of course, then we escape back into realities of this world. But for that brief moment everything was right i wasn't dealing with my sin my addiction my shame my pain in that moment everything was just right 
The second part is the second verse. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. There's where the rest is and the refreshment. Then looking at verse 3, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Because of this, I shall not lack or want forgiveness. I shall not want guidance. Because he's my shepherd, I find forgiveness. And I find my path put before me. Another good way to find him in that, the Bible says his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Get into his word. Discover his path for you through reading scripture. Verse 4 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. If I'm living with him as my shepherd, I shall not want or I shall not lack companionship. I won't be alone. And I shall not want for comfort, for I will find perfect comfort in him. And you prepare in verse 5 a table before me. I love this. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. I shall not want sustenance. I shall not want for joy. I will have that. In verse 6, it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I shall not want anything in this life. I shall not want in life to come. In other words, I won't lack anything today or tomorrow. I won't lack anything in this life or in eternity. I will have it all from him. You see, he is my shepherd. Everything that the shepherd is to the sheep, Jehovah-Rohi is to his people. He protects. He's the one who directs. He's the one who provides. Jesus is our Rohi or our Jehovah-Rohi. John 10, 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd uh, lays down his life for the sheep. He is the fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah. What is that prophecy? In verse 11 of chapter 40 says he will tend his flock like a shepherd he will gather the lambs in his arms he will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with the young he is the fulfillment of the prophecy in ezekiel as we read earlier as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he's among his sheep that have been scattered so i will seek out my sheep and i will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on the day the clouds the thick darkness luke nineteen ten says for the son of man came to seek and save the lost Jesus again as he is but as our rohi as the good shepherd he has made the ultimate sacrifice for us John 10:11 I am the good shepherd again the good shepherd lays down his life as the great shepherd he cares for us and he provides for our every need every last one of them <coughs> Hebrews 13:20 20 through 21 now May the God of peace who brought again from the dear Lord, or from the dead, sorry, let me back up. Now, may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. As the chief shepherd, he is coming again for his flock. Amen. He's coming again. Excuse me. 
1 Peter 5, 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfaded crown of glory. Do you know the joy of being one of his sheep? Jehovah Rohi longs for a personal relationship with you. Are we following his direction, enjoying his protection, and relying upon his provision? Are we longing for his return? And then the last one, this is powerful. Uh, have they all been incredible? Such insight to knowing the nature and the characters of God. And that there's also, I don't know if you've noticed, been some overlap in his character and nature. Because he can't help but who he is. And they all come together and overlap and, and somehow just come together in who he is. And then there's this last one, Jehovah Shema. Jehovah is there. Or I could say is here. Ezekiel 48.35 says the circumference of the city shall be 18,000 cubits and the name of the city from that time on shall be the Lord is there. The Lord is there. This is the final name we'll consider in our study on how that God has revealed himself to us in scripture. The occasion of the name, it's the, this is the scope of Ezekiel. He is called, this is the prophet Ezekiel. He is called the prophet of the captivity. So he's a prophet to the captives. He's the only prophet who prophesied distinctively and rest, um, restrictedly to the captive Jews. He was carried away to Babylon around 597 B.C., which was 11 years before Jerusalem was destroyed in the second deportation of the Jews. Ezekiel prophesied the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple 25 years prior to that. Now, the close of the book of Ezekiel, this prophetic book, he offers an amazing promise. Now, this, this uh, God who had departed from the temple because of the uh, abominations of his people, um, he had judged the people with captivity and the destruction of the people. Now, this promise that not only will the nation return, but there will be a new and glorious temple built. I believe we're getting close to those days now. Uh, the... But the most important promise, Jehovah Shema, is this. The Lord is there. Let's look at it, Ezekiel 44, 4. Then the Lord brought me by the way of the north gate. There's a lot, by the way, let's just pause for just a minute. There's a lot of prophetic words coming out right now and teachings that I'm listening to about the north gate. Some things that God is doing. And I don't mean like um, physically i'm talking about some things that the god that god is doing in the church right now as establishing us as the north gate i, I don't want to get too far into that because i think without me developing it too much in my own studies i could confuse it but just know <clears throat> we're sitting in these days of of what god is talking about but it says then he brought me to the way of the north gate to the front of the temple and this is by the way when i what i just talked about is more of a um spiritual thing than a literal even though there's a literal rebuilding of the temple coming sorry i'm probably confusing but that's okay then he brought me by the way of the north gate to the front of the temple and he looked and behold the glory of the lord filled the temple of the lord and i fell on my face what if sidebar yeah i got time for a sidebar what if what if God hmm. 
I just got this idea. Sorry. I, what if God, this idea, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expand on it just a minute. Just a minute. What if God was calling us to be a, I, I hesitate to use words like metaphor. But what if God was calling us, but I'm going to use it anyway, was calling us to be metaphorically speaking a north gate for this region? This north gate is described here to be the front of the temple. The temple is a place that houses the presence of God. Okay? What if we're called to be the north gate whereby, as the prophet Ezekiel says, this is the place where the glory of the Lord fills this area. And the only response by the prophet here was, and I fell on my face. What if there is a glory of God that is to be poured out so strong that he's calling us to establish ourselves as a north gate? Just, just pause on that for a moment. Through this series, this manifestation, I believe that God is presenting himself to us in a way that preps us and prepares us and establishes us as a gate whereby he can flow through and demonstrate who he is. And our only response, I believe, is not one of, look what God is doing through us, but to fall before his feet. And the glory of God will be enough of a sounding board for what he is doing. The Bible says in the book of Acts that the Lord adds to the church daily those that are being saved. It's not the... I want to make sure I just... I don't want to massacre what's, what's going on in my mind right now. Hmm? Yeah, I don't want to get too far without incubating, marinating this one for a little bit. Let's just, let's just hold on to that for a little bit, that thought that thought of maybe God's called us to be a north gate. Have I, have I lost anyone on that thought? Let's, let's hold on to Ezekiel 44.4 for a little bit. Yeah. Peaked curiosity, as Aaron says. Let's just... Ezekiel 48.35 says the circumference is our opening scripture. Let's just get right back into this. I'm not lost. I just hear God saying, I'm about to pour out my, my glory in this place in ways that you've never experienced or known. Set aside your preconceived ideas. Don't be afraid of it. 
Don't run from it. Embrace what I'm about to do with an anxious anticipation and celebration. It's like he's saying he's about to answer some prayers. Not just that we have had, but the previous generations have been praying over this area. There's going to be a unity of, of spirit, unity of calling, unity of thought. There are going to be those that are going to come together in this place and say, on Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. I was awakened and I was praying this bold, audacious, crazy prayer. And the other person is going to say, that's crazy. At the same day, at the same time, I prayed the exact same prayer. And it's nothing I've ever dreamt of before. And I sense that this isn't going to be about numbers. It's going to be about significance. Listen to that. For it's, good, it's not going to be about numbers. It's going to be about significance. But we're going to focus on the strength of the encounter of God. Through the glory of God poured out in this place, and, I, and it's not a location like an address, it's a region, it's an area. It's going to be some victories that happen in lives. It's going to be generational curses broken. It's going to be people launched into their callings and their destinies. Oh, since he's saying that there's going to be a, we're going to learn how to sit in his presence and not feel like we have to do anything while there. I just keep hearing this over and over again. It's going to be unlike anything that we've ever even thought it would be like. And we don't have to know how to do or what to do with it. We just have to do with him as he calls in the moment. Hmm. God, I just thank you for the interruptions. Lord, I thank you for speaking to us in demonstration of just Jehovah Shema. You are there. Lord, I thank you that you promised your presence. Just as it's demonstrated through this characteristic of your name, you are there. As you said over and over throughout Scripture that you would be there, that you would prepare a place.
Let's just skip to the Jesus part. Jesus is our Jehovah Shema. Listen, there's an Old Testament precedent. If you want my notes on that, more than welcome to look at them if you can decipher them. Our relationship with God is one of faith in His Son, Jesus. As a result, we have His promise of continued presence. His promise of continued presence. Matthew 28, 20 says, Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Hebrews 13, 5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 1 Corinthians 3, 16, Do, not know that you, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? John 14, 2 through 3 says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I do not go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself. And where I am, you may also be. John 17, 24 says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. To see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundations of the world. Revelation 21, 3, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Did you catch that? The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. To consider that he has chosen to reveal himself to us as Jehovah Shema, Jehovah is there. This is what separates us from the world. We have the privilege of a personal relationship with God through His Son. Question is, do you know Him? We never have to go looking for Him because according to this characteristic, He is always there. So we can confidently praise Him, our Jehovah Shema. Well, I sure hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. I hope it's challenged you and enriched your life. I hope it's helping you live a life closer to service with Jesus Christ. Hey, if it's done anything for you today, if it's meant anything, we could use your support. And there's several ways you can do that. First off, you can pray for us. Pray as we're doing our church plant here in Northeastern Oklahoma that God is totally blessing all of our efforts, but also in the area of support. If you want to give financially to what we're doing, you can go to our website at WLMiama.com. Dot com. That's W-L-M-I-A-M-I dot com and click on the give tab and go through the process there to contribute. And also, if you are in the area near Miami, Oklahoma on a Sunday morning, why don't you join us for our live experience at 10 a.m.? We'd love to see you. God bless.